0: This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. I'm starting to notice that my generation is having a really difficult time coping with life as we know. Just general life having a very difficult time with it. And I think that the COVID thing has something to do with it. And I think with the fear tactics coming from Washington, D.C., have a little bit to do with it as well. What the heck, man? Can't we just relax, take a breath, just enjoy Once in a while, welcome into the voice reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station, all over the country radio and TV, and live streaming and podcasting, wherever you may be watching or listening. We appreciate you more than you can imagine your millennial general reporting for duty we got a lot to get to today uh, there are a few issues that i've been hanging on to they've been sitting and waiting in the green room and now we're going to bring them front and center try to address some of them today on the program as i think today's the perfect day to do it why the heck not it's the pre-friday celebration and we got a great guest today mark mix national right to work committee he'll be joining us at the bottom of the hour uh it's funny because i was talking about some labor issues earlier today on social media as uh still some of the naysayers about the COVID stuff of you know if you don't get the vaccine you're just gonna pretty much die kind of thing i know it's it's a very uh limited view mindset of issues but nonetheless if that's the way you want to believe then that's cool I don't really care, whatever, but now we have vaccine mandates for many private industries. Why can they do that? The federal mandates uh, threatening to cut funding from private industry if you don't get the vaccine. Why can they do that? Also, we have the labor shortage. We have the federal budget. Did you know, and if you listen to uh, the congressman that we've had on the program lately, I don't know if you caught it or not, but did you know that if the federal budget passes, the $3.5 trillion budget passes, that it would eliminate... All right to work laws in different states, nationalizing work labor laws at the federal level. That's a very big concern. And we'll talk about that at the bottom of the hour. But first, in the latest big, very scary, concerning story, the largest survey done of uh, around the world in the world between individuals aged 16 to 25 years old. Makes me feel a little old because I'm now outside of that realm, so I have to try and look at it of the young kids. But nonetheless, 45% of all kids ages 16 to 25 years old, done by a study of 10,000 young people surveyed across 10 different countries by, uh, I don't even remember who this was done by. Doesn't matter. The websites by Vice, is uh, who's reporting this, uh, it shows that climate crises are young people's biggest fear. Yeah. Now, 45 percent overall, 60 percent of the 10,000 young kids that were surveyed across 10 different countries say that they believe that the world is doomed. Uh, Yeah, I know. I know. Major study of young people, 10,000 young people across 10 different countries lay the bar of uh, climate crises related anxiety felt around the world where they say that they feel it and it affects their daily lives and their ability to function normally. I know! So we have people that are losing their minds over climate change issues. Obviously, there's, you know, natural disasters that happen all over the world and maybe a little bit of increase of them right now just because we go through cycles. So is the climate changing? Sure, the climate's changing. Is it man-made climate change? Can we do anything about it? Really, no. It's just the nice little utopian liberal progressive control over the young generation. But to the point to where we've scared them so dearly that 60% of these surveyed in 10 different nations say that it affects their daily lives and their ability to function normally on a day-to-day basis. Now we have serious issues in the country of mental health issues and concerns about, you know, mass shootings or people doing really stupid things or, you know, the amount of pharmaceutical pills that we pop as a nation every single day. What's the average individual like 6 uh, like 6 different pills that they take every single day? And it's the vast majority of Americans that take pharmaceutical medication on a daily basis with an average of six pills every single day. Yeah, I think we have an opioid crisis in the nation. And it's a big pharma opioid crisis to where we're handing out pills just like popping candy every day. And that's how we function to the point where we don't have stability. We can't take things into our hands. We feel like we're completely helpless and we rely on the government to take care of us, which is the realm that they've wanted us to be in. But they need control to do that. They need power to, and we've talked about the elites looking down at us like, oh, we know what's really going on, but we're going to play them like the little fiddles. We heard about the military uh, really trying to play you like the idiots that they think you are because you don't quite know the process of how the nuclear codes are actually given to the president of the United States. In fear that Donald Trump may have actually, you know, launched an attack on China in the last couple of weeks of his administration, while he thought the election was rigged and he was quote not in the right mental state. They think you're stupid. On climate issues, they think you're stupid. Again, I want you to remember that you do have power as an individual, as you, that goes to work every single day trying to make a little bit of money, trying to bring food home to your family. You have power. You have the ability to take care of the environment around you. If you do that, then everybody does that in their own little community, just like conservatism. You succeed, your neighbor can, uh, succeeds, the community succeeds, the town succeeds, the state as a whole, because everybody's working and rocking on their own. Same thing with environmental issues. If you're that concerned about the environment, do your thing with the environment in your neighborhood, and everything's hunky dory. You can't say that you can uh, you you're concerned about the environment then go to a rock concert in awareness of the environment and then litter the entire place and leave it for everybody else to pick up. doesn't make any sense to me, especially these young whippersnappers, if you know what I mean, that show up to a rave and then end up walking out and just leaving the place completely trashed while they're saying, oh, my gosh, climate change anxiety is affecting my daily life and I can't function. Because what is that mindset done? Look at the grander scale for a second. Go out to that 30,000-foot view and take a look here for just a minute. When you realize that the climate change fear tactics are working, and the ones that are leading it, by the way.
1: I am told this is a garbage disposal.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's still my favorite clip, I have to admit. When those are the ones leading it to scare the young generation and the 16-year-olds into wanting to be the environmental activists, what are you essentially doing? You're giving who more power in order to quote-unquote fight it. It's not you. Because they're telling you, you are powerless, you are helpless, it's the elites, it's the ultra-rich. AOC tried to come out after the whole dress thing where she wore the dress saying, tax the rich, and she got really upset about how people were criticizing her. you're like, no, we're talking about the multimillionaires and the billionaires. We're not talking about, like, you know, the people that make half a million dollars like I do, and that make a lot of money and just go to these nice little banquets at $16,000 or $30,000 a plate. She tried to say, no, we're talking about the ultra-rich, the billionaires you know that pay 60% of the taxes in the country already we're talking about that the people follow this person people follow this ideology and it's growing there's a new person that's been added to the B squad With Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and the other one I can never remember. And now there's a new member of the B-Squad as well because the movement's growing and they have scared the young generation. Remember, they're the hip, young, cool, sexy, you know, politicians now where we just need to follow them. To hell with the Bernie Sanders. To hell with the old school politician. They're old. They're not hip anymore. They're not retro anymore. We got to go do our own thing we got to follow the cool ones, the young ones, the 30- and 40-year-olds that are in there that are rocking and talking about climate change and how we're all going to die if we don't give the government more power because you, you're helpless. It's the elites doing it. It's the elite. It's the business owners. It's the evil corporations. It's whatever. And it's not the government because the government's going to save you. It's the dark and the light of the elitism. The dark is the evil corporation in the private sector that just does whatever it wants because it's complete anarchy and we don't like it. And then the nice light government, the public sector where you control it because they've changed the definition of socialism to the commonwealth and the common people and the everyday people. The people redistribute and reorganize and redistribute and actually handle the uh, distribution of goods and means of the community. Socialism redefined into the public sector and the government controlling But you as an individual, you're in the private sector, you're helpless. Case in point, what's been happening over the last year with COVID-19? Obviously, the government's taken more control because you can't make yourself healthy. You can't do anything to take care of yourself. You need to live in a bubble. You need to hibernate inside and self-isolate. You need to wear the mask and socially distance to where you can't have any human connection. You need to wait for the vaccine to come out because you cannot survive this if you've actually gotten exposed to it on your own. You need to wait. That now, you, just because we have a survival rate of 99.5% doesn't matter. You need to wait for the government to take care of it. You don't need to go to work because you're non essential. Just take the government handout because we're here to take care of you. So what have we done? We have bankrupt the nation with different COVID-19 stimulus packages because unnecessarily crashing the economy and then spending us into oblivion. Now what's happened since then? We've now almost doubled the IRS because now the IRS needs to come through and do audits businesses who may have wrongfully taken out these loans from the PPP loans over the last year with COVID-19. We need to expand the Environmental Protection Agency because you can't take care of the environment around you. The government needs to take care of the government around you or the environment around you with the water rules, Uh, The water rules of the U.S. saying that if it floods in your backyard, that's now navigable water and now part of the U.S. government's operation. We need to take over your farmland with the 30 by 30 plan, wanting to consume 30 percent of U.S. land to be federal property by the year 2030. And now OSHA with the mandated vaccines. Here's my new theory. We've already expanded so many other government agencies over the last year, obviously expanding the Department of Education to control uh, private and public schools over the last year with COVID. Now we have Biden mandating vaccines for any business over 100 employees. And according to the Associated Press that came out today, small agency, big job. Biden tasks OSHA with the vaccine mandate. Now, OSHA is not a very big uh, federal agency or federal department. They really handle construction projects to make sure that you're within compliance of the regulations for environmental uh, regulations and within standards for work requirements and hard hats and that you have to have your arms covered, can't be wearing cutoffs on the construction job, all these other projects. That's what OSHA really handles. They don't really handle other issues unless being called upon on specific cases. Now they're being tasked from the Biden administration for every private company – In the country, with over 100 employees, be tasked to go and audit them to make sure that every one of those employees is getting the COVID-19 vaccine and that the company is actually enforcing that policy. It's a small agency. So what do we do now? Now there's a call to expand that agency, just like we've done with the Department of Education, just like we've done with the IRS, just like we've done with other agencies over the last year. Now, OSHA is the next one, because guess what? You can't handle it yourself. It's now about the government control. Now, we don't have the money for this because we're already 26, 27, 28, 30 trillion dollars in debt overall as a nation. We saw a record number of tax revenue coming into the country over the last year, and yet we still had record spending. So we completely demolished all the revenue that did come into the country. And we'll talk about that here in just a minute after the break. But think about it for a second. We've expanded all these agencies under the mindset that you're helpless, you can't do it yourself. The private sector and evil corporations are the ones trying to take advantage of you and only do it for their best interest because they don't care about anybody else, apparently. And the government, who's all about power and control and controlling those industries, apparently aren't for their own special interests, but are doing it for the people and for the common good. And the young generation is now scared about environmental issues, so they turn to the Environmental Protection Agency to solve said issues. Uh, Other people that are scared to death of COVID and live inside their home have not gone out and actually done things uh, proactively in order to take care of themselves and be healthy, just in case they do get exposed to COVID, which they will at some point. Instead, they wait for the government to do it. Now we're doing it with businesses as well, internally, even with OSHA requirements on these industries and these companies and these corporations all over the nation. Expanding OSHA, just another small program, another small agency no one looked at. Then now we have to double, triple, or quadruple in size in order to enforce the new mandates at the federal level.
2: The Voice of Reason
0: with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier with the Voice of Reason. Fighting for conservative principles seems more difficult all the time. The progressive left seems to find new and creative ways to limit freedom, abuse power, and trample the Constitution each and every day. That's why we need the knowledge, resources, and common sense to push back, and we can help with that. Visit our website at yourreason.com. There's some really great stuff for you. You can read the latest blog discussing topical issues and current events. Let us know your thoughts by filling out our monthly survey. Keep track of what I might be doing or where I may be speaking. Listen to the podcast of your favorite guest or show. republic
2: you're listening to the voice of reason
0: with andy who's Reason, common sense that's what it's all about that's what we try to promote here on the program having the conversation on wherever that direction leads us on common sense reason and Rationale. I know it's very difficult in the world today, but that's what we try to do. So we have fun with it. You can find us on our social media at Who's Your Reason. That's H-O-O-S-E-R, Reason, on all of our social media, Facebook, uh, YouTube. Oh, we have, I don't know, 100 subscribers or so on YouTube, not too terribly much, but we're suspended on there anyways right now until December, so not a big deal. Uh, but you can find us on the Facebook, on the Tweety, on Instagram, TikTok, on, I don't know, ourfreedombook.com. Twitch.tv, that's the big one we are streaming on right now. Twitch.tv, you can find us there at Who's Your Reason. Also on the website at yourreason.com. All right, real quick, I want to run through some numbers. I know that you kind of gloss over when we read some numbers, but this is important because I want you to think about this for just a second. Not sure how this makes sense. We'll talk to our next guest about it with Mark Mix with the National Right-to-Work Committee at the bottom of the hour right around the corner. But I want to read this to you just for just to put this into perspective because I'm trying to comprehend it, but I just don't get it. Here's according to CNS News, federal government collected a record, let me repeat that, a record $3.586 trillion in total taxes through the first 11 months of the fiscal year 2021, which is September of last year through August of this year, meaning September now we're in the new fiscal budget of 2022 for an entire year. Between September of last year through August of this year, just last month, a couple weeks ago, the federal government collected a record $3.586 trillion in total taxes. The government also collected a a record, record, not like, oh, it's the middle of the road, oh, it was down a little bit, a record $1.829 trillion in individual income taxes through the same period, September through August of this year. Let me, uh, I'm, I'm curious, how did we collect a record amount over the last year when we were shut down for essential, non-essential businesses over the country? We had a record number of people on unemployment. We had to do COVID stimulus packages across the nation to try and keep people from, you know, uh, going bankrupt or actually being foreclosed on or, or actually being evicted from their homes. And I know we had the moratorium protection as well. But how do we get a record number of individual income tax? How do we get a record number of total tax collections? during a year when we were inoperable and we crashed the economy. I'm very curious there. At the same time, though, even with record amount of individual income tax, with a record number of total taxes in the entire year from everybody, that was, what, like five, uh, $4 trillion and some odd dollars? Um, the government spent $6.297 trillion, running a deficit of the single year of $2.7 trillion. So we had record number of income tax, a record number of total tax in a year when we shouldn't have had those because not as many people are working. Then we spent a record amount of money and still ran a deficit of two point seven trillion dollars in a single year. Does that explain that we don't have an income problem? We have a spending problem. Now, we've said that for a long time. We know that. that's kind of common sense. We have a spending problem, not a revenue problem, because we had record more money brought in for tax than we've ever brought in as a nation for an entire fiscal year. And we still ran almost a $3 trillion deficit. Now, here's the interesting part to tease going into the next break. U.S. poverty rose with income falling. That's interesting. So while we have a record number of individual income tax coming in, poverty rates rose, meaning people falling below the poverty line, income rates dropping because of inflation and uh, things becoming more expensive. So even though you're making the same amount of money, you're actually spending more money on things, so you're losing money. At the same time, we have record job openings and record unemployment. Explain all of this to me, please, and we're going to ask our next guest about this after the break. How does this make sense when we have record number of job openings, a record number of people on unemployment, a rising poverty rate in the nation with a lowering of personal income for the medium income across this nation, but yet we still shatter the record for personal income tax revenue coming into the federal government over the last year? Please explain this to me. Kind of interesting. We'll do that when we come back. Mark Mix, National Rights Work Committee, we'll have him on the program. We'll get your thoughts on this as well. All over the social media, it's The Voice of Reason for a pre-Friday celebration. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. While you listen to the delightful broadcast of The Voice of Reason, don't forget to check us out and follow us on all of our social media sites. Whether you're using Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Minds.com, or Instagram, we're there for you. Find us at Who's Your Reason on any of your social media platforms. You'll see special commentary, links to the articles and news that we use on the show, and videos of the broadcast. You're listening to The
2: Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. By
0: the way, the question I posed right going into that last break is not really rhetorical, but it is an interesting one that we should already have the answer to. I want to get to in just a minute and have some fun with it. But I don't want to waste any time. I've been super excited to talk to our next guest for a while because this has been popping up in the news and obviously with the labor shortage, now with the vaccine mandates coming from the Biden administration for private companies, there's obviously a major infringement upon public and private sectors, upon businesses and their employers, uh, or the employers and the employees, and... Uh, your right to work and the rights that you have as an individual kind of interesting and uh, obviously now with this being in the federal budget a little bit as well as we talk about the latest and what's trending hey there we go what's trending today and super excited to have back on the program he is the president of the national right to work committee mr mark mix here on the program with us mark how are you my friend
1: I'm doing fine, Andy. It's uh, always exciting here in Washington, D.C., I promise
0: you. Uh, I can only imagine. To be, I've always wanted to. I thought for a while, I was like, I think I want to live in D.C., and as exciting as it would be, I would get really tired after a while. Like, what you guys go through every single day is a little ridiculous.
1: <laughs> well, you know, we are located right outside the Beltway, so when we talk about those people inside the Beltway, that's not us. We're uh, 35 feet outside the Beltway in Virginia, but surely the uh, the overflow of what happens in D.C., even spills out over the moat that will protect uh, those in the uh, in the inner circle when things get really rugged. But yeah. anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, lots going on. Always newsmaking, that's for sure.
0: Always newsmaking. Well, and I always appreciate you giving us time here on the program because I, I love chatting with you about all this. There's a lot that I want to try and cram in, but I posed a question right before the break, and maybe you can give me some enlightenment on this because I found it kind of interesting. I read the news from CNS about how we had record number of total tax revenue come in for the last f- uh, fiscal budget at $3.586 trillion. We had a record number of individual income tax come in over the last year at $1.829 trillion, which still, even with all our spending, left us almost $3 trillion in debt for the year. Uh, but I'm curious, with COVID and shutting down and essential businesses being shut down, how did we have a record number of individual income tax come in last year? That's kind of interesting to me.
1: Yeah, it really is. Um, you know, Terry Jeffrey, I think, is the author of that piece, and he's a good friend, and he pays more attention to those numbers and the budgets and revenue and expenses than anyone else I know. And uh, I haven't had a chance to read that piece yet, but that is kind of fascinating. I know, you know, a lot of uh, money got printed up and got sent out, and um, but that doesn't really explain it all. So, you know, they, they, tell, you, they tell us we need to spend more, Andy, but uh, apparently... You know, I don't think it's ever enough. Uh, You know, we're talking about $3.5 trillion in a budget reconciliation bill that is going to be on the uh, House and Senate agenda here over the next month and next couple of weeks anyway, for sure. So... Yeah. It's inexplicable, really.
0: Well, it's, it's, a, it's a, such a major issue because I think it realized that we have a spending problem, not a revenue problem. Because if we have a record number, meaning we've never had this much money come in before, and we're still $3 trillion short, then that should tell you some type yeah. of sign in some way, shape, or form. Uh, let's talk about, obviously, workers and the labor shortage going on. Is it getting better from what you've heard right now? Or are we starting to get people back into the workforce now that the COVID additional unemployment benefits are ending? Where are we at with the economy right now?
1: Well, Andy, that's a great point. When a government starts paying people not to work, um, you know you're going to get you're going to get less workers, and so that's what's happened. Is these uh, extensions run out, and people are left to go out and find jobs, which are extremely available. I've traveled the country, Andy, and I'm sure you see it right where you are. There are you know now hiring signs all over the place. No matter where you go, people need people to work. I mean, restaurants are shutting down early because they can't find people to work. So the fact is we have more job openings than we have people right now looking for work. And so it's getting better, but I think as the more the government tinkers with things, the harder it's going to be to recover completely. And, you know, I don't know if we can ever recover completely, but the, the labor issue is interesting. And certainly the Biden administration and, and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi are trying to find ways to actually pay back kind of their political benefactors, i.e. the labor union officials, not the rank and file workers, right. but the labor union officials. and And even that type of activity stymies the ability of getting people back to work, when you impose government uh, prices on construction and other things that are happening, you know, that tends to reduce opportunities for people not expand them.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it definitely infringes upon the market for sure. You're you're absolutely right on that front. Now, last week we heard the announcement from Joe Biden about the mandated vaccines for many companies. And any company over 100 employees needs to get these vaccines. We're going to expand OSHA apparently to try to enforce these. Is that some type of breach of labor laws for individuals who, you know, a janitor or, a you know, a burger flipper, At a fast food restaurant who's never had to have that as a stipulation to work before, uh, that's actually, you know, has never had to actually inject anything into themselves now, all of a sudden say, in order for you to continue to work for us, you're going to need this COVID-19 vaccine or we're going to terminate you. Is there some type of weird labor law violation here going on or what's the story or is this actually legal?
1: Well, interestingly enough, Andy, you know, when we look at labor policy, let's take the case study of labor policy. Since 1935, workers have been forced to join and pay dues to a private organization in order to work. So we do have compulsion. We have federally imposed compulsion when it comes to private sector workers already when it comes to union dues and fees. Obviously, since 1963, workers haven't been forced to... formally join a union, but they can still be forced to pay up to 100 percent of dues to keep their jobs. So the mandate in labor policy has been there for a long time. And the Supreme Court ruled that was perfectly fine in a couple of cases, even though we argue continuously it's a violation of constitutional rights. Now, as it relates to the vaccine and this idea of injecting something into someone's body um, and mandating that, I think the lawsuits are going to become, they're just going to come like waves against (laughs) what we finally see is the rule that probably we'll see in another couple weeks that will come out of OSHA. I mean, I don't find anywhere in the Constitution where a president of the United States or an an executive branch agency can force you to inject something into your body in order to work. So I think there's going to be some significant lawsuits. And frankly, we haven't seen the language and whether he will even, you know, hold up at all under the scrutiny of legal uh, action.
0: Yeah, I really hope so. This is definitely a tyrannical takeover of the private sector from the from the federal government, especially when we see the bullying going on. Of, uh, especially the healthcare industry, the let's say the retirement industry, and nursing homes. We're saying either you get your employees vaccinated, or we're pulling all of our funding for grants to the hospital or your Medicare uh, Medicare Medicaid funding. I mean, this is literally, uh, I mean, abuse of power. This is the 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 Big Brother mentality. This is the uh, I guess the mobster mentality of them trying to impose. The well, on a private sector, when all we want to do is just get back to work and get back to normal.
1: Yeah, indeed. And this this goes to a bigger issue, Andy. You know, the, the the scope and the size of the federal government has grown way beyond the boundaries that were established for it. And the more that states rely on funding from the federal government, the more power the federal government has over the states. And you know, this is this goes back to the debate that what, 240 years ago. I mean, this is not any different. And the idea of restraining a federal government so that they can't use that leverage. I mean, it was like the 55-mile-an-hour speed limit. You either do it in the seatbelt law or we withhold your federal road money. I mean, it, yeah. this, is, this, this happens again and again and again. It's kind of like the drug, the drug dealer. Basically, you give your first couple of samples away for free. You get them hooked on it. And then when they come back and say, I must have it, then that's when you get the real power to, to increase prices and increase control and increase your power over individuals. And the same thing's happened here with the federal government over the states, and it manifests itself in labor policy. It's manifesting itself now in the COVID policies. And, you know, there's really no end to it except for reducing the size and the power of the federal government.
0: That's so what we have to do. We're talking with Mark Mix, president of the National Right to Work Committee. You can find them online at nrtwc.org. Uh, let's talk about the, the the right to work right now and right to work laws in these states. And now you guys work really hard to try to expand those to numerous different states to give you the option whether you want to join a labor union or not, which is fantastic. I've heard a rumor that within this $3.5 trillion federal budget that's deep down in there somewhere, that if this passes, this essentially could eliminate right-to-work laws at the statewide level and centralize labor laws at the federal level. Is that true, and what the heck's going on here?
1: Well... Andy, you know, you and I have talked about the so-called PRO Act before. The PRO Act is a bill that's already passed the House of Representatives, which is probably the single largest expansion of labor union official power over workers since the 1930s. This bill is currently pending in the United States Senate, and it has multiple provisions that expand power for organized labor. And I think union officials and their, and their friends in, in Washington, D.C., realize that the possibility of passing that legislation is probably pretty slim, but still it's a possibility. So what they're going to try to do is they're going to try to shoehorn as much of the policy that's written into that so-called PRO Act into this budget reconciliation act because the budget reconciliation is a simple majority rule when it comes to passing it under ordinary senate provisions when it comes to legislation The filibuster or the extended debate is still a hurdle that, you know, the majority has to overcome in order to get big things done. And that filibuster has protected both sides of the aisle in times of, you know, extraordinary majorities when it comes to exercise of power. But what they're going to try to do is they're going to take provisions from the PRO Act and they're going to shoehorn them into the budget reconciliation and see if they can pass them with the simple majority vote where Kamala Harris breaks the tie if it breaks down on partisan uh, levels. As far as the right to work provisions in the Pro Act, the repeal of the twenty-seven right to work laws, including Kansas's, that's a legislative activity. And under ordinary rules when you're dealing with budget reconciliation and budget issues, there is a provision called the Byrd Rule. And this is named after Bob Robert Byrd, the senator from West Virginia, who was a an expert in Senate rules. He said that you can't legislate on budget bills. You can't use you can't make policy. You can do appropriation things and you can manipulate money. But you can't legislate. And it's up to the parliamentarian in the Senate to rule whether or not the Congress is, or the Senate is legislating as opposed to appropriating and using this budget authority. If it can't pass the Byrd rule, then it can't be in this under this simple majority vote. But it com- the parliamentarian is selected by, guess who, the Senate majority leader, who is, guess who, Chuck Schumer. Yeah. And so there's going to be a battle over this, no question. So they'll try it. Whether they can win or not, Andy, is another question. And that's why we've got to stay, pay attention and why we got to fight and why I appreciate you bringing this topic in front of your audience because it's really important.
0: It is really important. I'm glad you mentioned that because it is, it's something we need to focus on and understand the rules of engagement per se on how to do this and maybe we can shoot this type of mindset down. Mark Mix, president of the National Right to Work Committee. Mark, it's always great to have you on the program, my friend. I love it. Keep up the fight in D.C. Let's do this again here real soon.
1: Thanks, Andy. Appreciate it.
0: Hey, you as well. Always a pleasure that one. I tell you, that's a big fight right there with labor laws and the right to work for you in each state. We'll talk about more of that when we come back, wrapping up the show. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier with The Voice of Reason. Fighting for conservative principles seems more difficult all the time. fun facts of the month, and learn new ways to defend and preserve this great republic. It's all there at whosyourreason.com. Again, whosyourreason.com. Go check it out. Why? information at com.
2: you're listening to the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier.
0: Welcome back in. Just a few minutes left here of the program. Radio TV live streaming, podcasting, trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five pound bag. We appreciate Mark Mix coming on the program, president of the National Right to Work Committee. Interesting conversation, especially with the mandated vaccines for the businesses. He said a lot of lawsuits going to be coming out of that one. You cannot impose federal mandates like that out of the blue on private workers uh, just to uh, disrupt the labor market you just can't do it it's illegal it's unconstitutional to try and take over uh this mindset so if businesses are doing it on their own then maybe there's a maybe i still say no on that one no i mean if you're a janitor and you've never had to worry about a vaccine in your body and all of a sudden they're like you know now you're gonna inject yourself and uh or or you're just gonna let you go like, there's going to be lawsuits there, too. You know there's going to be lawsuits because it's a bunch of crap. And first off, it's on a false pretense. It just isn't true on the efficiency of those vaccines in order to get it or else we're all going to die and we're never going to see it spread or anything else and we're going to see all these variants. Uh, it's time for businesses to start actually thinking about it in the sense of, I just want to open back up and get people back to normal. And the only way to do that is to get back to normal and just not care. And businesses are starting to do that. I want to start doing a segment on the show every day. That's based on uh, that's based on the good story of the day with covid with people beginning to fight back, because this is how we begin to fight back is to disregard the mandates to fight back and say, no, we're not going to. You can't shut me down. You can't force my employees to get the vaccine. You can't tell us what we have to do. You can't find us like this. I'm just not doing it. And I don't know whether we're going to be able to do this for long, but I want to try to promote some type of business like that each day if we possibly can or when we can, when news stories come out. For the example of the latest one includes a company called uh, Basilico's, Basilico's Italian Restaurant in California. The owner of it was on CNN with Chris Cuomo. I don't know why, but he was on there, and they were kind of snippy at each other, and it was kind of hilarious. And the owner really showed Chris Cuomo that he doesn't have the highest of IQ levels. This is what they had to say. Can you
2: give me some hope
0: that uh, you really don't? Okay, hold on. First, let me set this, uh, the scene here. know, uh, uh, Bal- uh, whatever, however you pronounce it, um, is a restaurant where they say that you can only come in if you're not vaccinated or you're not wearing masks. It's a mask-free zone or whatever. And CNN losing their minds over the fact that this Italian restaurant is not making people actually wear masks can you give me some hope that uh you really don't want people okay. to not get vaccinated so they
2: can come to your restaurant that's a good question uh you're a smart guy it's an iq test and like i say, say to people when they ask me if they're so blinded uh with you know with their rage and their hate i tell them you know what if you still don't understand it Uh, Maybe we should put up a sign up that says you're too stupid to come into the restaurant. I mean, it's very simple. Just like you said, I think you figured it out. Am I right? I don't even know what you're saying right now. Tell me. So (laughs) what's the deal? I'm saying we're making a point. And so you answered the question. So you haven't been vaccinated. Nobody in your family has been vaccinated. If I answer that, are you going to answer that when I ask you? Yeah, sure. Ask me whatever you want. Now answer my question. Uh, I'm not vaccinated. Are you? I am. How about your your parents, uh, your your wife, your kids? You were hesitant. No, I got vaccinated. I, I, I'm gonna have to. I, I'm gonna ask you the same. I'm gonna ask you the same thing. Is that all right? Yeah, go ahead. your, no. Is your family vaccinated? Yes. See what you're not get. What you're not getting. You're 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 failing the IQ test. What you're not getting, which I expected. Um, what you're not getting is that uh, this is not. This is not an anti-vaccine s- stand; it's a pro-freedom stand. That's what you're not getting.
0: What is the difference when you are? Ign- there you go, Basilico's Italian restaurant in California. It's the IQ test. We don't care whether you're vaccinated or not. You don't need to wear a mask when you come into the place. Apparently, Chris Cuomo, you failed the IQ test because it's not about whether you were or were not because no one gives a crap because you just want to go about your business. This is how businesses begin to fight back. This is how businesses begin to actually get their power back. This is how employees actually and customers support the businesses that actually have the right mindset by saying, no, we don't care whether you're vaccinated or not. We don't care whether you actually wear your mask or not. We're going to get back to business or not. And if you're so obsessed, like a crazy obsessed ex-girlfriend obsessed With actually wondering if you're vaccinated or not, then you failed the IQ test and we'll have a sign out there to show you how stupid you actually are. So Basilico's Italian Restaurant in California, hat tip to you, my friend, for fighting back and, you know, showing Chris Cuomo his lower IQ. By the way, real quick to answer that question about how did we see a record number of individual income tax with poverty rates going up, medium income going down and jobless rates at a record level? The rich people paid it because they made a lot of money over the last year. And while the left says that they didn't pay any additional money and they want 90 percent of all the revenue they made over the last year, they created a situation where they paid in and created a record number of personal income tax. But they don't pay any taxes, though, right? Just the rich people that made more money and paid more taxes to create the record number of tax revenue into the state during the year when the economy crashed and got shut down. Something to think about until tomorrow. Back on the radio tomorrow. Until then, I'm Andy Hoosier. This is The Voice of Reason. Have a great Thursday. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. While you listen to the delightful broadcast of The Voice of Reason, don't forget to check us out and follow us on all of our social media sites. Whether you're using Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Minds.com, or Instagram,